I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. KYW Original Podcasts. Ray Dittinger, it's a football Friday in the Delaware Valley. Week 11, uh, the Eagles begin a difficult stretch of games starting Sunday in Cleveland. 3-5-1 Birds, 6-3 Browns. Let's start with those some storylines of the week before we get into that game. Uh, my first question is, generally speaking, Ray, when you heard everybody talk this week, Doug and the players, what were your takeaways on their the tone that they had and the comments that they had after what you called a, a pitiful game against the Cowboys? failures against the Giants and dumb decisions against the Giants. Uh, yeah, well, um, I think what you're hearing, well, certainly from the head coach this week, was uh, uh, was just uh, anger. You know, I think, he, I think he was generally angry. I think, he was, I think he's angry at himself. I think he's angry at the team. I think he's, uh, he, obviously no one likes to be called out publicly, and the, the fans and the media are all over the team right now. So, so Doug Peterson, who is by nature a pretty friendly and gregarious guy, has not been in a very good mood this week. That's that's for sure. Uh, and then Carson Wentz was the usual Carson Wentz. We got to clean this up. We got to play better. I have to play better. We've heard that before. But I thought the most interesting comments were the comments that came out later in the week when Brandon Graham, yeah. who really who really is kind of the certainly the leader of the defense, one of the emotional leaders of the whole team came out and basically said, you know, all this talk about maybe our, our, we aren't practicing well enough and we're, we're being sloppy on the practice field and we're carrying that over into the games, you know, there might be some truth to that. And um, I, thought that was the most, I thought that was the most interesting thing to come out because it seemed to me to be the most honest. And, um, you know, of course, if Brandon Graham says that, uh, I believe it. I don't think he said it for effect. And if you look at the way this team has played, and you mentioned the fact that, you know, I said that they played – they played dumb in in the Giants game, and I thought they did. Well, you know that's that's an indication that there's something wrong on the practice field, and uh, I think that uh, you know I, I don't know if Brandon Graham saying that and saying that publicly is going to change anything, but I think it kind of supports what a lot of people were thinking all along. 
that that stood out to me too. Um, and and other players like Rodney McLeod, other veterans, Rodney Lane Johnson, Darius Slay, also were alluding to things that were happening in practice and translating over into the game. And then of course there was the whole NFL Network report about Carson Wentz's sloppy practice habits that he and Doug both denied. But um, you know it's Week 11, Ray, and when you hear these comments about practice, how alarming is that? That we're this far into the season. And, and this is what they're talking about. Well, you know, it's, it's, um, it's alarming. Uh, but if you, if you want to look, if you, if you want to look at the, uh, the positive side of it, um, you know, it's okay. If, if it, if it's, if that rings the bell, if that, if that sends off the alarm that through the organization and through the team, through the coaching staff and the players that all of a sudden it's kind of out there now, and we need to clean this thing up. Uh, okay, you got you still got time to do it. I mean, you point out it's eleven weeks into the season, so the question is asked: Why didn't this get addressed before? But the fact is, okay, it's out there now. Everybody's kind of been put on notice. And even though right now your record is pretty ugly, the fact of the matter is, you are still leading this division. Mm-hmm. And there's time, and there is time left. That if you sort of buckle down and uh, work out some of the things you need to work out that the season is still salvageable. So, I mean, if you, if you want to be the glass-half-full kind of guy that looks at the positive side of it, that's, you know, that's what you take away from it is, okay, maybe, maybe this is the week that this team wakes up, the week that the coach gets mad, the week that one of the team leaders calls out his teammates, uh, and they kind, of get, they kind of get themselves straightened out and go out and play better football and maybe find a way to get this team back into the playoffs. You know, I, I, not specific to this week, but I've heard, I guess, really maybe over various seasons you hear Doug say Carson needs to be Carson so Ray what do you think Carson Wentz needs to do to get back to being a productive player on the field on Sundays well I um I think part of it is him and I think part of it is the way he's coached and what you're asking him to do um I mean it's been it's it's real obvious uh that he and he kind of even alluded to this this weekend in interviews that he really likes to get outside the pocket. He feels good outside the pocket. He feels like he, he's more, he feels like he's more in control. He feels like he throws the ball better, certainly sees the field better. Uh, and he just likes it out there. You know, he likes to have that ability to get outside and maybe tuck the ball away and run or, you know, stretch the field a little bit and find another receiver and just get out of the pocket, you know, just get away from the pocket and get out in some open space that that feels good about that. And, if you look at the statistics, it kind of bears it out. I mean, his numbers outside the pocket as a passer are far better than his numbers inside the pocket. And last week, I mean, when in the Giants game, the first half, they tried to play him from the pocket, and the team did nothing. The offense just stalled. And then in the second half, they came out in the second half, and they began putting them on the move, and that was when they actually had a couple. There were only two good drives of the game, and that was when Wentz actually began to develop a little bit of a rhythm, and the whole offense kind of came together. To me, the evidence is right there. Uh, and at this point in the season, I think that if I were the coaching staff, I would just say, look, you know, I think this, this, is the way this, this is the way Carson's comfortable. This is the way he wants to play. The results are right there in, for, in front of us that when he's outside the pocket, he's a much more efficient quarterback. Let's do it. You know, let, let's call those plays. There are a couple of things that, that, that help this team offensively. It's when they move fast, when they play what they call that tempo offense, where it's sort of a modified no huddle sort of a modified two-minute drill. When they do that and they keep the other team from substituting, they kind of put the other team back on its heels, and this offense performs much better. So move at a faster pace, play some tempo offense, 
get the quarterback outside the pocket. And I think this offense might have a chance to start putting some things together. And maybe he can start developing a rapport and chemistry with Jalen Rager, because this week Jalen Rager took a question about Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver who was taken after him by the Minnesota Vikings. Justin Jefferson is having a very productive rookie season, played very well on Monday night against the Chicago Bears. Ray, uh, you know, I feel like it's, it's almost deja vu again. Last year we were talking about J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and D.K. Metcalf, and this year it's Jalen Rager and Justin Jefferson. So is it time to compare these two first-round picks? Uh, well, people are going to do it whether it's fair or not. I mean, it's unavoidable. Uh, and you made the comparison of Ortega-Whiteside and D.K. Metcalf. Yeah, I mean, it's a classic case. I mean, what, the Eagles had a chance to draft either one of them. They took Ortega-Whiteside. He's done very, very little. Uh, and Metcalf has become a star. And you're kind of seeing the same thing evolve here. Um, I, I would say that it's maybe a little unfair to Rager in the sense that he was injured and missed five games. So he hasn't had a, a chance to really show you everything that he can do. He's He was just starting to play when he got hurt, and now he's just coming back. So uh, that's a little bit unfair to try and say that he's he's kind of our Sega Whiteside. I mean, he was around and just wasn't performing. Rager just hasn't had the chance to perform. Mm-hmm. But look, I mean, you and I talked about it after the draft. I said well, I was very surprised if I had been the Eagles uh, in their spot and I had a choice between the two guys, I would have taken Jefferson for sure. I just think he was a more polished receiver. I thought he was more ready to step right in and play and contribute. I know the Minnesota Vikings were happy to find him on the board because yeah. he stepped in and I mean, he's, uh, I mean, he's a real contender for rookie of the year. I mean, he's been, he's been that good. And Jalen Rager, it isn't that it isn't that he's been bad. It's just that he hasn't had a chance to contribute. But if you if you measure it on the impact scale, certainly at this point, Jefferson has had a lot more impact than Jalen Rager has. And and there's a video that's been going around on social media of of the Vikings' reaction when the Eagles take Rager at the spot that they take him at. The Vikings could not have been more elated to see that Justin Jefferson was still on the board for them in the first round. Ray, before before I get to uh, this weekend's game, uh, I'd be remiss if I did not bring up this. It was yesterday's news, and quite frankly, it, it's, it's the concern around the league and, and in the entire country. The Eagles had another positive case that they announced yesterday of COVID-19. They put uh, a few players, four players, on the, their COVID-19 lists. Um, and this, there's a st- stat that stands out to me. Um, so for, for the first three and a half months of, I guess, when they're recording these tests, it's from August 1st to November 14th at this point, there was 270 positive tests. And 108 of those 270 positive tests in, in the NFL, and this is players and personnel, 108 of those have come from November 1st to the 14th. So within this month, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's, I don't know if it's nearly half, but it's, it's approaching pretty close to, to half of that. What's your level of concern at this point as we're in week 11 and cases are clearly rising across the country and in the league? Oh, sure. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's a concern I have that uh, for, for the whole country and the world, really. Uh, and it's not a great surprise. I mean, the, the, the doctors and the, the medical experts had predicted all along that when you got to when the cold weather came in and fall began to turn to winter, that uh, these cases were going to spike. Uh, and that's exactly what's happening. And what you're seeing in the NFL is just a reflection of what's happening across the country uh, and certainly what's happening here in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. I mean, I mean, every day they're breaking records of new cases. So, 
as much as the teams and as much as the Eagles try to control the situation, and they do, I mean, they're, they're, their facility is, is very much locked down. The guys get tested every day. But still, I mean, if they're, not, they're, they're not operating the way the hockey players and the basketball mm-hmm. players did where they were all in a bubble. I mean, these guys are in a bubble when they're at practice, but then they go home and then they go out in the real world where this disease is everywhere. Uh, and they're going to encounter it. I mean, it's just unavoidable. And not just here, but all across the league. But, I mean, the one thing that's, the one thing that's very, very obvious to me, and I think everybody else is, the NFL ain't stopping and they ain't slowing down. Uh, I mean, you, yeah, I mean, you got uh, the, the Cleveland Browns, the team that the Eagles are playing this week. They had their, they had their scare this week, uh, and you know, and they had guys that had to go into quarantine. Everybody, nobody's, it's, it's everywhere, and it's everywhere in pro football. And the league has just made up its mind that they're just going to put, keep pushing through. I mean, they've come this far; they're not going to stop, and they're going to do everything they can to try and keep it safe. And if guys have to be quarantined and guys have to be off the roster and key players have to miss games, well. That's just the way it goes. But they're going to keep putting teams out on the field, and they're going to keep playing games. They they didn't come this far to stop. I mean, they're going to finish the season, but it's going to be a very, very bumpy ride the rest of the way. Would it surprise you if at some point, even if it's just for a week, that they pause the season for, for a week to, to gather and, and try to come up with stricter protocols if it gets worse than this? I don't know if they're going to. I don't know if they're going to shut the league down for a week. But I, I could see. Um, I could see games being missed. You know, I could see having to skip a game if you have two teams that have just been racked or two teams that have put in quarantine, and that just happens that they're supposed to play that week and they don't do it. Um, because the league has has internally had discussions about pushing the season back and was pushing the postseason back, pushing back the Super Bowl, pushing back the playoffs, and creating at the end of the regular season. Um, almost, almost a league-wide kind of bye week that kind of allows them to, if they have to, make up some games that weren't played on schedule. I, that stuff is all in play right now. And, I mean, this situation um, just continues to develop day by day. I mean, it becomes, um, it becomes more difficult and, and more widespread seemingly by the day. So all of this stuff is, in, is, is possible down the road. Uh, I would be surprised uh, if you had them just say, okay, this week we're just not going to play. We're going to give everybody a week off. I don't know. I mean, could you see some games not played and maybe possibly with the idea of being rescheduled, kind of what you did in baseball? I could see that. But a league-wide shutdown, no, I don't think so. But the one thing I can tell you with absolute certainty is there will be a Super Bowl this year. I just don't know what day it's going to be played, but there will be a Super Bowl. Focusing on this weekend, uh, what stands out to you about the 6-3 and three Cleveland Browns? Uh, a much improved team. Uh, I mean, we know what the Browns have been for the last two decades. I mean, they've been a joke of a team uh, since they came back uh, in 1999. They haven't really been a factor, uh, but now they are. Uh, and they, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, it was just a couple years ago that this team went winless. They were 0-16. <laughs> so uh, I really admire Kevin Stefanski, uh, the young coach, who actually has Philadelphia roots. He went to St. Joe Prep and the University of Pennsylvania for taking it on, uh, for going out there and, and, and trying to do what 11 other coaches couldn't do, which is bring winning football to Cleveland. And he's done it. Um, they're playing, you know, they're playing, they're playing good football. I mean, they're, they're very simple in what they do. It's not a very complicated approach. Um, they come out and they basically, they just say, we're going to run the ball. And that's, it's simple as that. Try and stop us. And when you have backs like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you can run the ball. They have a really good offensive line. They have a really good scheme. Uh, and they're just going to come out and they're just going to pound the football on you. 
and that's how they've won this year. That's how they've gotten to six and three. You know, Baker Mayfield's doing his part. I mean, he's making some plays, but this really isn't a quarterback-driven offense. This is all about the running game, and that's what the Eagles have to do on Sunday. If they're going to beat the Cleveland Browns, it has to start up front by shutting down that run. Is that the absolute must-key that happened that they need? If they if they stop the run this weekend, Ray, will they win this game? I think they will. You know, and I don't know. It might be it might be asking too much to say stop the run. Because I think this team, especially now that they've got Chubb back, I mean, he's a really good back, and Hunt is a really good back. Uh, and they play off each other very well. Uh, and so I don't know that you're going to stop them cold, but I think you have to keep them from taking over the game. The way they've done some games this year, I mean, they had, they've had games this year where, I mean, they rushed for 300 yards against the Cowboys, uh, and they just totally dominated last week against Houston. Um, and when they're doing that, I mean, they're controlling the ball, they're controlling the clock, and they're just grinding it out. And they can do that if you let them do that. And that's what their game plan is going to be coming in here. The Eagles have to find a way to stop it. And, you know, they have a good defensive line. Uh, and, I mean, they've given up plays, they've given up running yards, but a lot of it has been, you know, misdirection mm-hmm. stuff and end arounds, reverses, RPOs, stuff like that. Um, it's been plays on the edges. Generally, running backs have not had great success running a ball against the Eagles in a traditional sense. Uh, running backs are averaging just a little over three yards a carry. So the Eagles have been pretty good about stopping that kind of attack. Now, these are the two best backs on one team that the Eagles have faced. But they've shown you up front that they can slow down uh, uh, running backs. And if they're going to win this game, they have to do that. Because if they, if they come out here and they start running wild, then it's, then it's going to be a Cleveland Browns kind of day. So prediction-wise, I've gone back and forth on this. I mean, it's, it, I could have easily have said that the, the Eagles have given an, an uninspiring performances recently, and there's no reason to think that they can win this game. Not even going to be close. It's going to be ugly, and the next five weeks are going to be ugly starting with Sunday. I was leaning towards that, but then I changed my mind, and I, and, <laughs> and, and I realized that, you know, this team, Doug Peterson's Eagles, have proven that when their backs are against the wall— they can fight, at least fight. They may not win, but they'll at least fight. And hearing what, hearing Doug's tone, hearing Brandon Graham, hearing other players this week, I, I'm going to give them this one last week to show that they can at least fight and put up a good, hard football game and make it competitive and not seem lackluster as they did against the Giants. That being said, I don't think they're going to win, but I think that they will lose and it'll be a competitive game, 24 to 21 Browns. What's your prediction and final score? Wow. Um, that's interesting. Uh, uh, we, we, come up, we come up pretty close on the same number, I'm, but I'm actually going to lean Eagles here. For a lot of these reasons that you just said, uh, I do think there's genuine anger on the team, starting with the coach, but not limited to the coach. I think they're mad. I think they're upset. I think they hear what everybody's been saying about them, and everybody's counting them out. Uh, and I expect them to fight back. Um, so I think that they'll come out and they're going to play. They're going to play better. I'm certainly going to play harder. Uh, and to me, this game this game reminds me so much of the game last year when they went to Buffalo. Uh, I mean, they came off two really bad performances on the road against Minnesota and against Dallas. And every, again, it was the same things were being said. People were ripping the coach. They were ripping the team. They were ripping the quarterback. They had written them off. The season was a loss. Uh, and they heard that all week. And they had to go on the road to play an AFC opponent or even actually traveling to Lake Erie. I mean, there are all kinds of similarities. Coach, The coach of the other team was from Philadelphia, You know, Sean McDermott in Buffalo. He got Kevin Stefanski here. The similarities are almost, are, are almost eerie. 
given Lake Erie. Uh, and to me, it has the same kind of feel to it. I mean, the Eagles went up to Buffalo, and nobody gave them a chance. They were big underdogs, and they whomped the Bills. And they came out, and they played like a, an angry, focused football team. And they played maybe their best game of the year yeah. and, and just walloped the Buffalo Bills. So I'm kind of looking for the same kind of thing here. I think that there are certain things that the, that the Browns want to do that the Eagles can take away from them. Uh, and I expect them to, to come out and play an inspired and much better football game. So I think it's going to be tough because the Browns are playing tough football. But I expect the Eagles to come out with a winner here. I'm, I'm saying 24-20. to 24-20. Ray has the Eagles at least for the moment, turning their season around with an upset of the Cleveland Browns. Right? thanks for the time. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll break it down Monday morning. I'll talk to you then, David. Have a great one. You too. Hall of Famer Ray Dininger of 94 WIP. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.